Our scripture today comes from Proverbs 3, verses 12 through 26. For the Lord reproves him whom he loves, as a father the son in whom he delights. Blessed is the one who finds wisdom and the one who gets understanding. For the gain from her is better than gain from silver and her profit better than gold. She is more precious than jewels, and nothing you desire can compare with her. Long life is in her right hand, and in her left are riches and honor. Her ways are ways of pleasantness, and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who lay hold of her. Those who hold her fast are called blessed." The Lord, by wisdom, founded the earth. By understanding, he established the heavens. By his knowledge, the deeps broke open, and the clouds dropped down the dew. My son, do not lose sight of these. Keep sound wisdom and discretion, and they will be life for your soul and adornment for your neck. Then you will walk on your way securely, and your foot will not stumble. If you lie down, you will not be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. Do not be afraid of sudden tear or of the ruin of the wicked when it comes. For the Lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from being caught. Grace Kids, you're now dismissed. That's pre-K through second grade. Walk with your parents back to the room and you may be seated. All right, Proverbs chapter 3, we're in the second half. If you have your Bibles, it'd probably be good to keep them open. Um, I, I have to say, with, I, I've been so impressed with the college group here, like how many paper Bibles you use. Like that, I, lo- I will always love a paper Bible over an electronic one, and you have been a, a blessing uh, to see that. But whether it's paper or electronic, um, it'll be helpful to kind of walk through this with me. If you have been here this summer, you know that the book of Proverbs is about what? Wisdom. You did better than the first service this week. And so we have been walking through chosen chunks of, uh, of Proverbs to see what we can learn about wisdom. We've, we've looked at what, Proverb, what wisdom says about money, what wisdom says about sex, what wisdom says about the blessings in this life, what it is we should expect and what we shouldn't. And so now Solomon kind of shifts. He assumes we know, we've heard certain things about what wisdom is and can do but now he shifts and he says this is why you should want it which is really important because it's easy to know what is wise but still not choose to do those things I mean I don't think there's a person in the United States who doesn't know that smoking cigarettes are bad (laughs) it's bad yet millions of people still do it so they know what's right but still choose to do something else Almost all of us know, because it has been scientifically proven, that we should eat healthy and exercise. Yet, we live in probably the the least healthy culture that probably has ever existed. So it's not a lack of knowing what's wise in the area of of health. The problem was with our motivation. When Angela and I were in um, campus ministry, it was often that we would sit down with a young guy or lady... And they would say, I, I know it's unwise that I'm dating the person I'm dating, but they would not choose to stop. So, so knowing what's wise is very different than actually being motivated at a heart level to do those things. Uh, probably the hardest thing that I've ever had to do, like physically and I guess emotionally, was quit dipping. When I was just, just out of college, 
uh, I, I knew what was wise. I knew that it, dipping caused cancer. I knew, uh, you know, tobacco is hard on the budget. And I also knew, and I was a single guy, I knew it didn't help me any with ladies. But yet I still, I knew it was unwise, but I still did this thing. And I can remember being in a deer stand and, and just being fed up with it. And I took my can of Copenhagen and I threw it out into the woods really dramatically. And then about an hour later, I'm sifting through the bushes trying to find that can because I wanted it so bad. So knowing what is wise is not, this does not always mean you're going to do what is wise. And that's what this passage is about. It's about the heart motivation. Why is it that we should want wisdom? And so in this passage, we're going to walk through it the way that Solomon wrote it. We're first going to look at the value of wisdom. Then we're going to see the power behind true biblical wisdom. And then last, we're going to hear Solomon's call to action. So first, the value of wisdom. These are our first six verses, verses 13 through 18. And we're going to see three things that Solomon tells us about Lady Wisdom. Now again, if you're new, Lady Wisdom is... Solomon's device to personify wisdom. He's, he's using the desires of these, these young royal boys who he's, is the primary audience. And he's thinking, what do they desire? Well, I know what they desire. So I'm gonna show the, the beauty and the attractiveness of wisdom in the form of personified in this woman, Lady Wisdom. And so we see three things in this passage about her desirability or about her value. And first is that she gives us the most important things in life. This is, we're going to start with verse 13. Blessed is the one who finds wisdom and the one who gets understanding. For the gain from her is better than gain from silver and her profit better than gold. She is more precious than jewels and nothing you can desire can compare. So Solomon's using wisdom as something it seems like we can purchase and then use to get something that, that will satisfy us. And some people have taken this passage and they've minimized the value of gold and silver. That's not what Solomon is doing. He's saying gold and silver have great value. <laughs> They're very valuable things. You can get some really good things from gold and silver. You can buy a house. You can uh, put food on your table. You can, you can establish uh, financial security for you, maybe for your kids or grandkids. He's saying they can do a lot of things, but there's something even better. There's something that will get you even more. And that thing is wisdom. You can acquire things. You can buy things that money and in the form of gold and silver cannot get you. Bruce Waltke says, The profit you will get from buying wisdom is better than the profit of silver. Because money can put food on the table, but not fellowship around it. Money can get you a house, but not a home. Money can give women jewelry, but not the love she really wants. So Solomon's not trying to lower the value of silver and gold. He's trying to raise our value of wisdom. Because I'm guessing, I, I, I guess the safe thing to say is in most cultures, I probably could say every culture, like money is the thing that we sacrifice for the most. We sacrifice our time, we sacrifice our opportunities, we, we sacrifice our hard work so that we can get money, so that we can buy things that are going to bless us. And again, he's not saying this is bad. He's saying wisdom can get you so much more. Nothing you desire in this world will give you more. Can you use it to buy more than wisdom? So Solomon in the beginning is saying, pursue her, sacrifice for her, make her your top priority, and you will not regret it. That's the first thing. And then we get, you know, we might wonder, why won't I regret it? Well, 
That's the second reason that we see lady wisdom is valuable. In verse 16, she will give you abundant life. So she's not just going to give you everything you need in this life. It takes it a step further. It says she's going to give you abundant life. Verse 16 says, long life is in her right hand and in her left are riches and honor. So likely Solomon is using uh, a picture of the Egyptian goddess Mot here. Mot is the Egyptian goddess of, of justice and wisdom. But what he's doing is interesting. He, uh, no, it's yeah, justice and wisdom. And in her left hand, he's putting honor and material possession, honor and gold, honor and wealth. But in her right hand, which is the more significant hand, he's putting life. So he's making a statement here. Again, not that money is bad and not that, that honor is bad, but that there's something even more for us involved in this thing that she's holding called life. I mean, I know, I have friends who have more money than I could possibly imagine. They're very honored and esteemed in their field, but their life's a wreck. All the money and honor you can get through work, does it, it still hasn't, it can't get you this thing called the abundant life. So what is the abundant life that Lady Wisdom wants for us? It means wisdom that will lead, lead us into the arms of our God, into the arms of the great shepherd who is going to lead us into, as we read, green pastures, into places of safety, in the words of John Piper, the apex of the abundant life is the worship of Jesus Christ. That is where she is leading us. And when we're worshiping our good shepherd in the pastor, whatever it is that's transpiring around us, no matter how scary, no matter how confusing, no matter what, how sad it makes us or how much it breaks us apart, what Lady Wisdom is promising that there in the presence of of our Father, we will be okay. We will experience this peace that surpasses all understanding. And that's why the next verse about Lady Wisdom is true. Verse 17, her ways are ways of pleasantness and her paths are peace. So that's the second thing that makes her valuable than the third. Lady Wisdom has a value because she offers us everlasting life. Verse 18, she is a tree of life to those who lay hold of her. Those who hold her fast are called blessed. So the idea of a tree of life, it, it wasn't invented by Animal Kingdom at Disney. This is, this is an ancient idea. And, you can, and it was actually pretty well known both to the, the pagan ancient Near East and the Israelites. The pagans, I mean, we, we still have like Egyptian and, and surrounding cultures around Israel. We have pictures of them, you know, this, this tree of life and all of creation seems to be coming to this tree to be strengthened and nourished and given, given the ability to continue to live. So uh, Avatar is not really bringing us anything new here. This is an ancient idea. But as so the whole ancient world would have had understood the value of a tree of life, but they wouldn't have understood it as well as the Israelites. Because the Israelites know going back to Genesis that when God created things, there were, there were trees, lots of trees, but there were two trees in particular, one called the tree of life that they could eat of and one called the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which they couldn't eat. So this is Genesis 2.9. And out of the ground... The Lord God made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was in the midst of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But then the serpent came. This is three verses one through three. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field 
that the Lord God had made, he said to the woman, did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. And so that was the day that changed everything for humanity. And there are a lot of ways that it changed everything, but pertinent to what we're looking at here, one of the ways that it changed everything is we no longer could eat of this tree that's called the tree of life. Verse 22, I'm still in Genesis chapter three. Then the Lord God said, behold, the man has become like us in that he knows good and evil. Now, lest he reach out his hand and take also of the tree of life and live forever in the fallen condition. Therefore, the Lord God sent him out from the garden of Eden to work the ground from which he was taken. So now in our sin and without this tree of life to eat, we die. And the tree of life, from Genesis to Revelation, it represents immortality. It represents this everlasting life, which we lost access to in Adam's fall because Adam sought wisdom outside of being dependent on God. He sought wisdom through independence from God. He, was, he and Eve were thinking there was something better than depending on God. And, it, and, it, and this pursuit of what he thought would better is actually not just worse for him, but all of humanity. Because we're really only truly satisfied when we're in the center of God's wisdom and that's in the center of his obedience. So it's in God's obedience where we are fulfilled the most. And now we have to endure the crux of this this curse. We will now all die. We want to be independent from God because of Eve, Adam and Eve, we are born wanting this same kind of unbiblical wisdom, this independence from God. And not only are we inclined that way, every one of us has acted on it, saying, I know best. I know the way. I want to be like you, or at least God, over, our, over my life. And in so doing, we have cut ourselves off from the only true source of life that there is. But this proverb is telling us there is a way back. And Lady Wisdom can show us that. So what is that way back? Well, first, wisdom shows us the true nature of our situation. So, so by God's Holy Spirit, as wisdom seeks in, we begin to, to realize the futility of trying to be God over our own life. We begin to be humbled in a certain way that, that wants there to be someone greater than us to order things and rule over our lives. We want God to be big and we want increasingly for ourselves to be small. We begin to value the things that God values. And as this happens, this is an indication that this curse is being reversed, that it can be lifted. And again, quoting Bruce Waltke, He says that Proverbs functions symbolically, the book of Proverbs, as the tree of life that was lost in Genesis. We hold fast to wisdom because wisdom will bring us back to the tree of life where we will worship God rightly for eternity. And this is is not the only place in scripture where we read this. Jesus says this himself in Revelation chapter 2 verse 7. Jesus says, he who has an ear, let him hear what the spirit says to the churches. To the one who conquers, I will grant to eat the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. And then we can 
jump all the way to the end to Revelation chapter 22 and we can see as John is observing this new earth, he sees our secured future in Jesus. John writes, then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city, also on either side of the river, the tree of life, with its 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. That is the great blessing and the great value of biblical wisdom. But until we are back, until we are in that spot, rightly worshiping God in the presence of the tree, we hold fast to this lady wisdom who is herself a picture of Jesus. So again, remember, we have to see how, how Proverbs is functioning here. You have the immediate audience, young royal boys who will rule someday. Okay, and he, he wants them to have this wisdom. He's using the desire to show them the desire of wisdom. That's Solomon's you know, primary goal. But the Holy Spirit, who is overseeing the whole process of the Bible coming together, he's showing us something even more significant than that. The Holy Spirit is using this imagery to point us toward our greatest satisfaction in Jesus Christ. Because this lady Wisdom, she is a typology of Jesus in the Old Testament. That means she is a type of Jesus. She is a, a foreshadowing of who Jesus is and what, who he is, what he would do. And this is the reason that wisdom has this kind of value that it can actually bring us everlasting life. is because lady wisdom is a type of Jesus who is the great blessing and the ultimate reason that any of this has value. And this is why, if you go to chapter 8, Lady Wisdom, who's the one speaking here, she says, For whoever finds, whoever finds me finds life and obtains favor in the Lord, but he who fails to find me injures himself, and all who hate me love death. And then Paul, writing to the church in Corinth, says, And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom of God, so Lady Wisdom isn't literally Jesus, but she is a type of Jesus paving the way for a blessing that goes beyond today. So in Proverbs, we, we see, we've talked about a lot of blessings that are gonna benefit us in the here and now, but ultimately the great blessing that Lady Wisdom is pointing us to is Jesus and the everlasting life that we will have with him either when, when we die or he comes back. All right, because of that, because ultimately, Lady Wisdom is pointing to Jesus. Wisdom now isn't just an idea. It isn't just something, the things that we're to do to be socially acceptable. Wisdom now has real power. This is verses 19 and 20. It's not an idea. It's not an ethic. Wisdom is an actual power to lay hold of. Wisdom isn't the kind of power like a Harry Potter spell. You know, that's like you can... Some people have this hidden knowledge and they can understand it, but, but the rest of the world is just totally blind to it. It isn't um, something that, that you just, you can't see. The evidence of God's wisdom, of the power of God's wisdom is all around us. And this is what verses 19 and 20 say. Verse 19, the Lord by wisdom founded the earth. By understanding, he established 
the heavens. So what God is saying is that this thing called wisdom, it predates creation itself. And wisdom is actually the way that God created the whole world. He used wisdom to create the whole universe and everything in it. This is, this is a big deal because he's saying that when we experience creation, we are in some way witnessing the power of biblical wisdom. So if you've ever stood at the edge of the Grand Canyon, you know, you feel really small, but you, but you feel this power. If you stand at the edge of the Pacific Ocean, you know, we're on the Atlantic and Gulf and the waves are a little bit, you go to the Pacific and you see these massive waves rolling in from the other side of the world. Or if you studied the complexities of ecosystems and how intricately and delicately but perfectly they hold together and sustain each other. Or if you look at the grandeur of the stars, you're seeing something about the power of biblical wisdom. It seems like another lifetime now, but Angela and I, years ago, were in Eastern Europe, far from the, the major cities. It had snowed for, snowed for a couple days, and everything had cleared. In the middle of the night, it was freezing cold. Snow was everywhere. And I looked up, and it was like you could see all, from what I read, 200 uh, billion stars in the Milky Way. I'm, I, it seems like you see them all. I've never seen anything like it. It was brighter than, I think, if you were in the middle of the ocean. And then you think about, well, that's just one galaxy. As best, we know of at least 200 billion other galaxies. So we look at the grandeur of the universe and we're seeing something about the power of biblical wisdom. But God didn't use this wisdom just to create everything and let it spin as it may. This is verse 20. He continues to use his wisdom to nourish and hold, hold up his creation. Verse 20. By his knowledge... The deeps broke open and the clouds dropped down dew. So the imagery here is the deeps breaking open and all the life of the sea coming out and being sustained. And then over on land, there's life and this, this light rain is coming down and, and giving nourishment to God's creation. Which may not sound that impressive if you live in central Florida in the summer when it monsoons every day and we have a hurricane bearing down on us. But in the ancient arid in the ancient Near East, which was very arid, I mean, this, this light rain, it wasn't just a blessing. I mean, this was the very power of life. Without it, nothing was going to live. So this is a pic, what, what, the, what Solomon says, a picture of God's sustaining all that he's created. And so remember, who is it that Lady Wisdom is depicting? Jesus. And so this is how all of this comes together, and it's really important to see, because this is how the author of Hebrews uh, talks about the way that God created and sustains the universe. Hebrews 1, verses 2 and 3. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son. Remember the connection between Lady Wisdom and Jesus, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. This is the power being offered to us. Again, it isn't just some ethic to keep us on the straight and narrow. It isn't just a way to keep us out of jail. Jesus accomplished all the wonders of creation, the splitting the sea, the nourishing it, the sustaining it, everything that happened. Jesus accomplished it through, through wisdom. And that power is being offered to everybody who finds him this is why it works God has ordained that there would be a power called wisdom 
that there would be a savior named Jesus who would draw us back to him. And in his presence, we would find the joy and the fruitfulness that we long for, whether we know how to articulate that or not. And that brings us to the last part of this passage where Solomon, having said all these things, how much value there is in in wisdom and the power behind wisdom, he calls these young royal boys and then all of us to action. Verses 21 to 26. As you start reading this part of the passage, you can almost hear Solomon saying, I've, ta- I've said all these things, now use it. <laughs> you, you have to do it. I mean, if you have, you know, when you, if you have kids that are in the teenage years, there's this, there's this reality. I, I can control my younger kids, but they get to an age where I don't control you anymore. Now it's up to you to use it. You have to make that decision. That's the feel here. And if you do... Keep sound wisdom and discretion with you at all times. There will be life for your soul. The Lord will keep you. He will guard you. Just keep it with you at all times. He says, put it around you like a necklace, which is where he lost me. I don't, I, it's for me, I'm just like, how is a, a necklace? I don't wear a necklace. I don't understand how, how putting wisdom on like a necklace really changes anything. But I started to think about the Lord of the Rings. You know, Frodo had one job. You know, he had to keep this ring and it had to be safe and it had to be accessible. And so where does he put it? Around his neck on a necklace. If you travel overseas and you're worried about pickpocketers and you have documents and money that you want to keep safe, but not just safe, accessible at every moment, Google whatever you would Google to find that. And I guarantee you in the first three pictures, you're going to see a little necklace where you put all your documents in because it can go into your shirt and it's both safe but accessible whenever you need it. That's the picture here of putting these teachings on like a necklace, that it's safe but it's accessible at every moment for you. These teachings that Lady Wisdom brings to us. Then in verse 23, we read that you will walk on your way securely. If you're wearing it like a necklace, you will walk on your way securely and your foot will not stumble. So this is what's called a merism. A merism is when you have two or three words that mean things, but when you put them together, they mean something, they, together they mean something different. So it would be like us saying, um, I searched for it near and far. When, it, when you put those two words together, it means everywhere. Or he fell for it, hook, line, and sinker. You put those three words together and it means something else. The same thing's going on here. So when you have this phrase, walk securely and not stumble, it's a merism basically meaning you will be secure at every turn and taken care of at every way possible, no matter what the situation. That's what that's meaning. You will never be alone. You will never be unprotected. Lady Wisdom would lead you close to the Lord's presence but you have to take those steps. You have to embrace these teachings. You have to put them around you like a necklace. You have to commit yourself to her. You have to see her as more attractive than anything else that is calling you, that has hold on your heart in this world. And and it's only when we see that, that verse 24 makes any sense. If you lie down, you will not be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. All right, if there's a more vulnerable position than lying down, being asleep in the dark, I don't know what it is. Uh, it took us about 10 years before my sweet wife was okay being at home alone with me not there. During the day, it was fine. But if I was going to be gone somewhere else, she was going to her parents' house. There's something about the darkness where you feel vulnerable and you're asleep and you can't even hear somebody coming up quietly. Kids, 
When you think about monsters, are you worried about monsters during the day when your parents are up? No. Dark is when the monsters come out, right? Your parents are going to love me for this one. Darkness. <laughs> darkness, when your parents are asleep and there's no one to protect you and that closet is a little bit open, that's when you're vulnerable. But this proverb has good news for you. A, there's no such thing as monsters. But if you're scared, lots of people are scared. And we need to know that we have hope in something other than ourselves because every night we're going to go to sleep and it's going to be dark and everybody's quiet. And you think about the original audience here, these young royal boys, you know, they, people who rule have targets on them. If you're in charge of a city, state, or a country, you have a target on you. And so it's interesting comparing these teachings, teachings to the teachings uh, of the Egyptian young rulers. They actually, they would teach their young boys, guard yourself at all times, especially when you sleep. So the Egyptian rulers, they would sleep with weapons. They would take their most trusted men and put them at the guard of their doors on the outside and sometimes even on the inside. But not the Israelites. The Israelites, they didn't have to worry about monsters and they didn't have to worry about bad guys because they had someone protecting them who never sleeps. They had God watching over them at all times because they had embraced Lady Wisdom. But it's not just worldly safety that Lady Wisdom allows us to have good sleep in. You know, if you go up to Proverbs chapter 4, you see that refreshing sleep is withheld from the addict. If you go to Ecclesiastes 5, same author, he says uh, refreshing sleep is withheld from the rich. And I take that to mean those who put their ultimate hope in gold and silver to get the things that only wisdom can get you. My dad is one of the most moral and ethical people that I know. And I remember talking to my mom a few, probably a few years ago, and we were talking about some, some men in Orlando who had, who had done well financially. They lived on a lake and had the condo at New Smyrna and had the summer home in North Carolina. And my mom, without really missing a beat, she said, yeah, but your dad sleeps well. And in that moment, I mean, that's the sense of what, what wisdom gets us. We sleep well because we're not worried about dangers. We know the Lord is going to be with us no matter what happens. And we're just going to get refreshing sleep because we're living in the middle of his wisdom. But then there's one more type of sleep that can escape us. And this is in verse 25. We see the ultimate way that Lady Wisdom allows us to sleep well. We will not be afraid of the terror or the ruin of the wicked when it comes. So this isn't talking about consequences for daily unwise decisions. This is talking about the ultimate consequence that comes from abandoning lady wisdom who personifies Jesus. Those who reject Jesus will ultimately be rejected. And there is a terror that will come at the end of time because there is a judgment, there is a reckoning. And the Apostle Paul says that all of us at some level know this. In our heart, we feel this. So whether, whether we're even aware of Christian teaching, there is a part of our sleep that will be disturbed because we know that we are not holy and we're going to stand in front of a God who is. And the way that God reveals that to us is through his creation which was established through wisdom. I'm going to read Romans 1, 18 through 20. 
For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. So it's not that they don't know the truth, they suppress it. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, the things you can't see about God, namely his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly perceived to everyone ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So there's something about just seeing creation that that disrupts our sleep because we know something about the holiness of God and the grandeur of God and we know that we fall short. But the Bible tells us that while there is this day of reckoning, while we live, we get to choose how it is that we're judged. So we get to choose. Do we want to be judged by the merits of Jesus Christ who never sinned or do we want to be judged on the merits of our life who all of us have sinned? I mean, that, that's the ultimate question in life. And Revelation says at the end of time, all of humanity will be gathered. Everyone who has ever lived. And the main question is, how is it that you decided you wanted to be judged? And so those of us who say, I don't want to be judged on my own merits. I know I will fall short. I want to be judged on Jesus's merits. Those names are written in the book of life. And the book of life is opened and everyone in it is welcomed into the grace and the mercy and love of God for eternity and that tree of life. And everybody who has said, I want to be judged on my own merits. Revelation said, well, their books are opened. And they're judged the way they asked to be judged. And it doesn't go well for anybody. And all fall short and all are thrown into the lake of fire. This is not like a cheery, happy, warm, fuzzy verse. This is a scary verse. But it's one that we have to look at. Because Proverbs tells us that those who have trusted in Jesus who know that we will be judged on his merits, we can sleep well at night. We don't have to worry about this looming coming judgment because we know that Jesus has already taken care of it. And we know the truth of this last verse in our passage, verse 26. For the Lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from being caught. We have no hope of saving ourselves. So God in Proverbs is pointing us through Lady Wisdom to Jesus Christ, who she typifies then we can have confidence that God is going to keep us safe that he is going to be at our side that he's going to deliver us home and this is where lady wisdom wants to lead us and this is why Solomon wants us to desire her so not just know about her not just know wise things that people should do and not just do those things so that well, just life will be a little bit better when we make wise decisions. Do so so that we can have everlasting life. Abundant life, yes, now, but everlasting life with him. This is a proverb that's talking about Jesus. So why bother? Why bother with Proverbs is because he, Solomon is telling us that true biblical wisdom has power to save us and it only comes in the form of Jesus Christ. And only then will we sleep well. Only then, as life spirals out of control, will we be able to feel like we are in a green pasture. And we will feel safe because we know our good shepherd is watching over us. That's why we should want wisdom. That's why we should sacrifice for wisdom. That's why we should make hard decisions in our life to choose wisdom. Because where wisdom is, there is the abundant life and there is the everlasting life. Let's pray.
God, we do just thank you that even though we have denied you and your wisdom, you, you open our eyes and draw us back and create a new path, a path that only runs through Jesus Christ. And I pray that, that you would just let that sink a little more into each of us today, that we would rejoice in that, that we would feel secure in your wisdom, and that we would run from the things that we naturally are prone to wander to and run back to you. God, we thank you and we love you and we pray this in Jesus' name, amen.